0: This is Rick D's, and if you do want a song played, just get in touch with us right now. Just call the radio station, no problem, and picture this. You've parked your car in an abandoned lot. You attend the movie. You come out, only to find your car has been tampered with. Thieves have broken through the window. They've ripped off your stereo. Naked wires are hanging where your equalizer used to be. This scene never would have happened had you purchased the James Brown auto alarm. Listen... Ow, ow! Ow! The James Brown auto alarm scattering thieves near and far. Ow! ow, ow. The James Brown auto alarm. Ow, ow, ow. Get yours today. Ow, ow, ow.
1: problem in which we rewatch movies from our youth to determine if they're problematic by today's standards. I'm Jimmy.
0: And I'm Jen. Today we'll be discussing Blind Date, which was released in the US on March 27th, 1987, and in the UK and Ireland on August 14th, 1987. It was written by Dale Lawner and directed by Blake Edwards. It stars Kim Basinger, Bruce Willis, John Larquette, Phil Hartman, Stephanie Ferrasy and William Daniel Daniels, aka Mr. Feeney.
1: Yep, Mr. Feeney's in this. Um, or Kit. Um for my generation. Kit from Knight Rider. But yeah. Yeah. Um, he's also Mr. Feeney. I did watch Boy Meets World. I watched the hell out of Boy Meets World. Anyway. Um, what's gonna happen is this Jen and I have thought, three problems that this movie has, for each, and uh positive. Then we'll have a little discussion about it. This was your first time watching this, wasn't it, Jen?
0: Yep. Yeah. See. I'd never a... heard of it.
1: No. I'd never heard of it. Right.
0: Well, and it's so funny because when I mentioned yeah. it yesterday, I was at my brother-in-law's and I mentioned I was watching it and both Dylan and his mom were like, oh, we used to watch that all the time. <laughs> and so I never heard of it, but my husband's apparently seen it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I
1: watched it quite a lot. I think I first saw it when it was on TV. Eight, seven, so that would have been, what, eighty-nine, maybe? It would have been for sure on TV, ninety maybe. I don't know. I think eighty nine, um, and uh, that was the I hadn't. That was the first time I watched it, and then I I didn't see it for years because I never bothered with the VHS or anything. Mm. Um, so I probably just waited to come back on TV because I didn't record it, and I have watched it a few times since, and it's one of those types of movies those types of comedies it just doesn't get made anymore um because it's a farce it's a slapstick farce and i hadn't really seen that many of them when i was a kid when i first watched this Mm -hmm. Uh, it wasn't really the kind of thing i watched um uh, if my comedy movies didn't have muppets in it then i wasn't really interested um uh I found I thought this movie was fantastic back in the day. <laughs> Cause I hadn't seen anything like it. Yeah. Um and I saw it when after I had seen Die Hard. But uh I have I also watched um Moonlighting. I'd seen Moonlight. I used to watch Moonlight when it was on. So I knew who Still Bruce never seen it. was. Moonlighting's amazing. It's a really good show. Uh um, right it goes to shit in the final season. As a lot of shows do, but uh but it's really good. If you ever get a chance to watch Moonlight and watch Moonlight, because uh, the thing about Moonlighten is Bruce Willis and uh, Sybil Shepard hated each other in real life,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but their chemistry on screen is fucking amazing. You you you, you would believe that these two people just want to bang each other right there and then.
0: Mm-hmm. That
1: seriously, their chemistry is fantastic, but they hated each other, and you know that's what you want. <laughs> <laughs> you want to believe that these people find each other attractive. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I used to love this movie after seeing it once. Now not so much. But, you know, it's just a nice sort of quaint memory of uh watching this brand new movie that I'd never seen before on TV for the first time mm-hmm. back in the late eighties. Uh so what did you think of it then?
0: Um, it was okay. Um yeah. I liked the first half better than the second. Half and um, I'm not a huge fan of the farce, so I was when I was younger. I probably would have loved this when I was a kid, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's not totally my thing. I was surprised to see it was directed by Blake Edwards, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it was okay. I mean, I didn't hate watching it, so yeah, um, but I probably wouldn't choose to watch it again.
1: Yeah, Bruce Willis and Blake Edwards made two movies back to back they made this and then they made Sunset which okay. was released the year after this, just before Die Hard was released. Um, like a couple of months before Die Hard. Sunset is a, so, sort of like a modern Western. I think it's set in like the 30s or 40s or something. So mm-hmm. it's sort of like a Western. Um, and uh, James Garner is in it as well. But I've never seen it. But the, the big difference between Sunset and Blind Date is Blind Date's PG-13 and Sunset's rated R. So I don't know, and I don't think it's, that's not a farce, that's just like a mm-hmm. straight-up comedy, western-type deal. I've never seen it. That was on TV as well, probably around about the same time, actually. I think they did a little sort of um, uh, Blake Edwards marathon or something at one point, mm-hmm. Uh, when they were showing these movies for the first time. Anyway, let us just get on to our our problems, and my first problem is right at the very, very, very beginning of the movie. It's the James Brown car alarm.
0: Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, because
1: when you watch the movie, the opening minutes of this movie seem completely out of place. Mm-hmm. Because that joke of the James Brown car alarm sounds like it's from a parody movie.
0: Yeah, well that's the thing, is I th- felt like it was an indicator of what we were going to be watching, that it was going to be a weird movie or something. Mm. And it was just, it was so out of place. It really is. And it's
1: strange because it's the first few minutes, but it's Mm. right at the very beginning and it's just like, right, this is setting the tone. It's going to be like a a spoof movie. It's going to be something like maybe like airplane Mm -hmm. or um, something like that. And it's not.
0: It that's feels like it was just awesome. something that someone like Blake Edwards or someone found funny and just put it there when yeah. it's, it just doesn't doesn't work. But um, I mean, and I, I think I've only seen one other Blake Edwards movie, but I will say um, that's still less of a problem than a, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Mickey Rooney. In, yeah. Uh, in Breakfast at Tiffany's. That's the thing is any mistake here. I'm like, well, you've done worse. Yeah. Did
1: Blake Edwards did like Breakfast at Tiffany's. hmm. Right,
0: well, yeah, yeah,
1: he has done worse (laughs) than um, Yeah, because, but then, right after that, the movie does something that I like. It's strange, it's like whiplash, because there's that thing, and then you're like, what the fuck is this? And then straight after that, they play a song. And you think, right, 80s movie, they're Mm. going to play a song, this song is going to be throughout the entire beginning of the movie when he's running about trying to get to work. No, mm-hmm. as soon as he leaves the apartment, that song stops because <laughs> it's on the radio. He yeah. his radio on. But I like that because it gives mm-hmm. you an expectation that the song's going to keep on playing. And it could have because you do see him running around trying mm-hmm. to get to his office and running into people. But the song stops. I like that. So uh, Yeah, James Brown car alarm just annoyed me. It was like, yeah. I forgot about that. Uh, but then... What, rewatching it was like, I know this movie's not this. Why is this mm-hmm. here? Um, so what's your first problem?
0: Um, he said, I've never hit a woman before in my life, but... But what, Bruce Willis? But yeah. what? <laughs> Did... Were you... That's uh, a, little, a little violent for me. Um, I know yeah. that she... I know, I know he had every right to be upset with her. But that's just a very harsh thing to say, and it upset me. Yeah. The whole sort of Nadia drinking
1: alcohol when she shouldn't,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and then going crazy thing is a bit strange to me as well.
0: Oh, it felt like she didn't even drink that much.
1: Yeah, she didn't. That's the whole, that was the joke.
0: I mean, I know champagne. Like, if something's gonna get you drunk, it's gonna be that. But yeah. um, I wish they'd had her drinking just a little more. Um, and as someone who frequents a bar and sees people get drunk. I don't think they went too far with her because I know some people who, they are affected in a yeah. terrible way. But I think that's the joke. It's if you don't give her a drink, mm-hmm.
1: and she had a drink, and then she got drunk very very quickly. But it's like whose fault was it, right? Is it Walter's fault for not listening to her, and like pressuring her into get to drinking? Or is it Nadia's fault for just not saying no, fuck off, I'm not drinking and not drinking?
0: Um, I would say it's his fault. Um there I mean, yeah, she could have fought back a little more. Yep. But but then I also think it's the the eighties, which like even now I could see something like this happening, but it's the eighties and it's like women are taught not to say no and like if a man's pressuring you to do something, that you should do it. And so, like, she did say no. He had been warned, and mm-hmm. he pushed her into it. So I would say it's his fault, especially because yeah. he'd been... War- well, Phil Hartman made it sound like a good thing if he got her too drunk. But,
1: yeah, um, that's
0: another thing that's- but it also, he had this important dinner, and he needed to be thinking about himself, if anything. And, like, he shouldn't have been... If if she wasn't supposed to be drinking anyway, and he knew there'd probably be drinking at the party, he shouldn't have been pushing her to do it. So I would say it's his fault. Um, because
1: the drink before the party as well, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying is like yeah. that's when he was pushing her to drink, and um, yeah, maybe she could have fought back more, but it also like he had a tone where you would assume he would keep pushing. Women know yeah. how to tell these things, and uh. Yeah. She probably couldn't have gotten away without taking a drink. Um, now, I would think if you were trying to get out of it, you could just say you're an alcoholic, but even then, I don't know if in the 80s that would have been as respected as it would now. Um, no. But when people don't want to drink, other people can be real dicks about it. Um, yeah. No matter what your reason.
1: Well, you say about the whole 80s thing and women not being not been allowed to say no to things, you, you've got that. You've actually got that as a plot sort of point with the Japanese man Mm -hmm. and his wife you know so Mm -hmm. the movie the movie's self aware of that the movie knows that that's a thing yeah the movie knows that um, Nadia could have said no more Mm -hmm. but I think the movie's aware of the fact that Walter pushes her into it because Walter gets punished for it Mm -hmm. Walter gets put through hell for his decision to push her into drinking and you know Karma's a bitch, won't I? Yeah, the movie is actually it can be quite clever at times. Mm-hmm. There's some some funny lines in there. There's some really good li- William Daniels comes out with some good lines, and mm-hmm. his delivery is just fantastic. Um,
0: well, and when but, jo- John John says "Thanks, Dad," that was a that was a good re- like. I I felt yeah. like that was kind of a perfect timing for the reveal because that's the kind of yeah. thing where that joke you could reveal it too soon um but that was i thought that was delightful but that's the thing that
1: i like about older comedies more than modern comedies i'm not going to complain about modern comedies again um i've done it loads of times before but i think a lot of these older movies especially ones like this right you have to have the timing down exact it's it's more pressure in putting the timing down in movies like this. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you've got a, a movie like sorry, it's the first one that's popped into my head. If you've got a movie like Ghostbusters twenty sixteen, right, mm-hmm. where Paul Feig just points a camera at people and says be funny, and he doesn't say stop when people are flipping the bird for five minutes straight. That's that's not that's not funny to me because there's no there's no concise timing or anything in that. It's it's just someone improvising, and while improvisation can be funny, I've done improv myself at college. I know that it's not an easy thing to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Also, what's not easy to do is actually reading lines from a script that are supposed to be funny and selling them, and also selling pratfalls, um, mm-hmm. and you know, like. Stuff like that. I I think comedies like this, which may not be like hilariously funny, I do think there's more of an art to them than there is with modern comedy movies. Mm-hmm. There's more effort put into them anyway, I think. My second problem is, why does the date and indeed the entire plot hinge on Walter finding Nadia attractive? What if she saw him in the light and thought, "Ah, no, he's losing his hair, I'm off by.
0: You know?
1: Why does yeah. he have to find her attractive? When she, it, it, he, she's
0: automatically going
1: to find him attractive.
0: I don't know. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah.
1: That's just 80s writing, isn't it? That's just like... Yeah. I've, you see that quite a lot in movies.
0: Movie written by men. Well, and movies, <laughs> often tend to assume that women care less about looks than men, which in some ways, I think that has been proven to be somewhat true. Um, but it's still like... Women can be shallow. <laughs> Like yeah. she I I guess I just figured the assumption was she just wa- she hadn't dated in so long she just wanted to go on a date and it didn't matter, I guess. Um or maybe she believed them when they said he was handsome, even though he maybe didn't believe them. But yeah, yeah. he's he's the more shallow one at least.
1: Yeah, he has shallow, but also they do say that he has he has had a lot of bad dates.
0: Mm-hmm
1: whether or not that that's him being shallow or that has, you know, there's just been women that he has dated that he's just not, I mean, I I don't want to say that he's not found attractive, but women that he may have found attractive, but they just didn't click.
0: Yeah, they they said that they were all crazy. That's what they said. Yeah. Yeah. But then... Because bitches be crazy. crazy. Yeah. They're clearly setting him up just with crazy people. Exactly. She's not crazy, only when she's got
1: a drink in her, but, you know, she yeah. she can be. But then he ends up with her at the end. Yeah. So that's kind of like a... I'd like to think that Walter learned something, you know? Hopefully. Yeah. But, and not be too shallow. Mm-hmm. I sit and I watch movies, and I just think of things like that all the time. It's mm-hmm. like, why does she automatically have to find him attractive? Why is the plot not, oh, are they both going to maybe... Turn away when they see each other in the light. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. But no, it's, it's, it has to be. Because she even says, right, Walter, it's your turn to turn away. Well, you can walk out now because here's the reveal. Here I am. And we don't see what she looks like until she walks into mm-hmm. it. And it's like, why? Why? Why that? Why does it have to hinge on Walter, like, thinking, whoa, she's nice. I don't understand it. Anyway. Um, your second problem, what is it?
0: Um, when she is starting to kind of sober up and she's just like, just let me off at a hotel. Like, I just want to go to sleep. He won't let her. And it's like, she got him fired. Like, he's had this horrible night. And I, like, why won't he just let her go? Yeah. You know, like, he, he clearly wants to get revenge at that party. But, like, just let her go and be done with the whole thing, right? Like, yeah, he could have left it right there. He could maybe work on seeing if he can do any damage control and get his job back or something. But he's just, he's gone mad at that point. And it's just, let her go. Especially like, if a woman's in your car and she wants to go, let her go. Yeah,
1: because he doesn't let her go. He takes her out and then he gets into more trouble, including getting arrested and getting put in jail. She Mm. bails him out and then she has to marry a scumbag
0: to get him off, like with later charges. That's all Walter's fault. Everything she goes through is worse than him getting fired. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. She she has to marry John Larriquette's character.
0: And who would want to marry John Larquette? He he
1: always plays such a dick, like I He always does. He always does, yeah. And maybe he's like the nicest, sweetest man in the world. Mm-hmm. You know? But he plays a
0: that, And this character, you could just pretend he's his character from Night Court because it was needed to defence attorney there.
1: I don't know. I never saw Night Court.
0: Oh. oh, it was delightful.
1: It probably aired very late at night over here. Mm. You know, after the watershed, after 10 o'clock or something, it probably aired. I don't remember it.
0: It holds up. Uh, I've seen it recently. It's a good show.
1: Uh, I hope he learns a lesson. We Me don't too. really see that he learns a lesson.
0: But... No. Well, I think well, he learns the lesson don't give her alcohol.
1: Yeah, he also does go through hell to stop her from getting married. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he he has to do all that nonsense at the, at the mansion.
0: Mm-hmm. Which went on too long, in my opinion.
1: It did. Yeah, it does. It goes on far too long, that, that uh, third act. I think the third act's like 35 minutes long or something. It's quite long. Um, the movie does run out of steam um, after Nadia sobers up. Mm-hmm. So... My third problem is comedic tone, and I know I said this about the the James Brown thing, but this is different because I think the the tone is kind of all over the place in this movie,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, just a little, because there's slapstick stuff, and then there is, I'll defend your date who got in trouble partly because of me. If you marry me and have sex with me, despite the fact you find me sexually morally repugnant, um, that sort that's kind of and i know the character's a douchebag but that's just horrible yeah that's like a that's like a mean sort of thing to put in your comedy movie Mm -hmm. so you've got slapstick then you've got that then you've got shooting a dog um a dog gets shot in this movie because it barks too much Mm -hmm. and the dog is correct to bark the dog was warning them that Walter was running around. Mm-hmm. It was doing its job and he got murdered for it. Great Blake Edwards, that's that's comedy for you.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: so yeah, there's a little bit of a tonal thing going on with the comedy. It's a bit strange. Yeah. The last act is basically just a stuntman's reel. It's just like a stunt reel mm-hmm. of a man falling off things and um sliding on golf balls and uh I love all that stuff. But that's basically all the third act is. And then she sees him in the morning and then they swim towards each other and that's it. The end. There's no real sort of consequences to anything. hmm Because the movie cuts to them on a beach. Yeah. So, you know. uh So what is your... uh our problem.
0: How could they possibly be in love with each other? They've known each other yeah. for five minutes. That is so ridiculous. Like, I like... If they had kept it at... You know, she's... he's He's rescuing her from this terrible marriage. That's fine. But the whole thing about, like, her being in love with him and everything, I even... Especially since the first night they met, they both at some point hated each other, right? Like, yeah. they both hated the other one. So the idea that's one thing I hate in romantic comedies is when they want me to believe that people who just met are in love with each other. Like at least with sleepless in Seattle, it's like they're attracted to each other, but like there's, you know, there's no implication besides the fact that it's a rom- romantic comedy that like they are in love with each other, right? Because that's not possible. Mm-hmm. Um, or something like when Harry met Sally, like this goes years and years. So it's believable that they're in love. But I remember watching uh, Made in Manhattan with uh, Jennifer Lopez. And yeah. it's like they knew each other for something like four or five days and thought they were in love with each other. And I'm like, that is such bullshit.
1: They know each other a few hours and they fall in love. Makes no sense. I don't, I don't like it when movies do that. At least give us. I don't know. Give us more time. And when did, does this wedding take place? It's like the day after or something, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty, pretty fast. Yeah. So, my positive, and I was going to say the stunts. Cause you know me, I'm a sucker mm-hmm. for someone slipping on a ball, flying up there and landing on their back. Yeah. Like the Home Alone stuff. I love all that. But, cause I like stunts that look like the heart. <laughs> Because mm-hmm. <laughs> you've got to buy that that hurts. And when Bruce Willis gets knocked out of a tree by the golf ball, and mm-hmm. there's just this long shot at a tree and this man just hear noise of the branches and this man just falls down on the ground. Love it. <laughs> I think it's amazing. But um but that's not my positive. My positive because rewatching this again, I just realised just how good Bruce Willis is mm-hmm. at this sort of thing, and I miss. 80s comedy Bruce Willis. Yeah. Cause the man has a knack for this sort of thing. He has good comic timing. Yeah. And he's I mean he's got a good he's got good energy as well. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He actually gives a shit making these movies.
0: With him, he's like Tom Cruise for me. Like they may be good at action movies and stuff, but I want the comedy. Like I like or and Brad Pitt. Like I like it when these men get to be funny. That's When I think right. they're at their best, that's when I find them the most enjoyable. But like, they go and they do these other kinds of movies, not Brad Pitt as much, um, because he doesn't work as much. But, um, like, I wish to- I'm waiting for Tom Cruise to get too old for action movies so he can go back to some comedies. And Bruce Willis, I wish, would go to comedies. And not that Cop Out was the best movie, but like, I wish he appreciated things like that more because it was something yeah. different for him to do Cop Out the whole nine yards. Mm -hmm. Um, they shouldn't have made the whole ten yards but the whole nine yards is very very good it's a it's an excellent movie whole nine yards Um, it's a good movie yeah yeah and the sequel's garbage do you remember I I can't I think I have this right I might have it wrong but I think I have this right Um, when Bruce Willis was on Friends it was I do know it was because he lost a bet to Matthew Perry Um, like he had to do it for no money Um. Although I'm sure SAG made him do it for, like, a minimum. Yeah, You um, would have to get paid, yeah. But he, they had made a bet, and I, if I remember correctly, the bet was Matthew Perry said the whole nine yards was going to be number one or something like that, and Bruce Willis didn't think so, and then it did really well. And so he had to go do several episodes of Friends. That
1: sounds legit, actually. <laughs> I love
0: it. I love it. Also, in Bruce Willis's movie The Kid... Um, I think I think he's in like a lot of makeup or something, so you can't recognize him. I don't know; it's been a well while since I saw it. But Matthew Perry's in that as well, um, right. so they were they were buddies for a few years there. Um, but yeah, the whole nine yards. I always forget about that movie, but it's such an excellent movie. It's a good movie, yeah. And
1: that's another one of those movies that's like um, the first movie's rated R and the sequel's PG thirteen. And I watched because,
0: it within yeah. the last couple of years, and it's it's still very very good.
1: Yeah, yeah. So the cinema, I remember quite liking it. Um. So, yeah, so Bruce Willis actually cares here. Mm -hmm. Um, Because this is Bruce Willis trying to make it.
0: Yeah, this is his first leading role.
1: Yeah, his first leading role, and he's trying his darndest. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he was already on Moonlighten. I think Moonlighten started in 85, 86, maybe. Um, And it ran for five seasons. So he was, you know, he was still doing Moonlighten when he was on um, Die Hard, when he did Die Hard as well. So... Yeah, this is this is prime Bruce Willis for me. Uh, he has hair, mm-hmm. um, and he cares, and he's also charming. Um, and his his character here, you can, some people could say, "Oh, it's just the same as David from uh, Moonlighton. but David from Moonlighton is far more cocky than this character. Mm-hmm. They're kind of similar, like they're charming and they're likable and stuff, but. David um Addison from uh, Moonlighting is so cocky, um, and I don't get that from this character as much. I just think this character's a bit yeah, he's kind of nerdy a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like music, he loves that. Uh, I mean, that's a great thing, I think that was a Bruce Willis edition. Yeah. I don't. That probably wouldn't have been in the script, that was probably Bruce Willis. Cause, I assume that because yeah. of him. Because he sings in Moonlighting as well. Mm. He sings in Moonlighting. Um, here he plays the guitar. So, he, uh, yeah. And this would have been around about the bit of time that he would have been releasing his album, <laughs> The mm-hmm. Return of Bruno, which I had on cassette tape.
0: Oh, my God. Yes, I did. Uh, so, what is your positive? I love that when she goes to, and ruins that dinner she manages to break up an engagement and a marriage. And that even though she's acting awful, like she is actually right to be breaking up an engagement in a marriage. Like that she's not doing it for bad reasons. Um, like I just, I thought that was hysterical. Like that was just like kind of a little feminist moment where it's Mm -hmm. like a woman looking out for other women. And, uh, like, you know, with, with the, the woman, the, uh, woman in the bathroom like she's very concerned and that she she's like you know you know you can do this and i just i love it so much and then the other problem sorry oh the other woman i just love the idea of like if someone's boyfriend or fiance or husband like hits on you like Mm. go tell the woman
1: yeah exactly no We're finding that a lot in 80s stuff. There is some sort of, you know, progressiveness in there. Mm -hmm. And amongst all the the garbage, there is some progressive notions in 80s movies.
0: I feel like what it is, is that because of, like, the feminist movement of, like, the 60s and 70s, like, there is more awareness of women and what women really should be doing and stuff. But they're they're still holding on. So, like, the toxic masculinity and stuff like yeah. that. So, it's this weird combination of, you know, like, maybe a woman acting the way we root for, but then the man's still a pig. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. But the problem of the Japanese couple is, though, that the the joke ends, the skit ends with um, her saying, is there a lawyer here? And all these lawyers say, yeah, yeah, hey, mm-hmm. we're going to do lawyer stuff. But she can't actually do anything in the U.S. because they were married in Japan. So they're only visiting the U.S. They don't live in the U.S.
0: So Did they, they say go that? Back to
1: Jap- yeah.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. They're just, they're, just, they're just visiting. They're just coming over from Japan to have a business dinner. So when they go back to Japan, she's still stuck in that horrible, horrible marriage. Mm. So Nadia does a good thing. And she's a pure soul and a good human being, but it's not going to do, it's not going to
0: help. Oh, maybe the woman could convince him to move to California and then yeah, divorce him.
1: Maybe, yeah. That would be good.
0: Because <laughs> I want her to, because nobody has, nobody has to live like that. Yeah, not unless they want to. Because some women. Yeah, some women, yeah. Like, but then um, again, do they
1: want to, or have they just been conditioned to think that since birth?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I when I was um well, and not just the country, like even here uh when I was pregnant, I was in a uh you know the like most famous pregnancy book, uh, what to expect when you're expecting. Yeah. Um they had an app and there were message boards there. And the way that some women talked upset many other women. Um like there was a woman talking about how hard it was for her to watch the baby and still make sure she was dressed nice and had makeup on when her husband got home and everyone was like dude why are you worrying about that she's like well my husband's never seen me without makeup and I don't want him to and like she phrases it as though it's what she wants and it's her choice which if it is good for her but then it's also like were you conditioned for this like that's yeah there's there's the scene in the pilot of Marvelous Miss Maisel where she um, gets up before her husband and puts on a full face of makeup and I think does her hair and stuff and then goes back to bed. So she looks perfect when when he wakes up. And if I remember correctly, it was like her mom taught her that. And right. so a lot of these people are actually conditioned by, you know, their mothers to act certain ways. And it's it's upsetting. It's, you know, it's so funny because like there's there are women who they won't want the man to see them without makeup. And I'm like, you know, it's love. If the person sees you sick, and you haven't showered in a couple of days and you're in like sweats and yeah. you look disgusting. Like, that's the thing. You want to look disgusting in front of someone yeah. and then, Oof. you know, but, um, yeah, a lot of women are conditioned, like not just like by society to do this, but some women do, I think some women choose. I, I hope at least some of the women are choosing to do this. Um, yeah. I, I know a lot of, a lot of like, um, fundamental Christian people in America do that. Like, I think there's a lot of women who are very happy just being at home, spitting out babies, um, cooking, cleaning. Um, And maybe that's all they've known. So that's why they're okay with it, but they're okay with it. Yeah. Again, is that what they've been conditioned
1: to, to do though? Is that something that they've learned from birth being, I don't want to upset anyone religious, but is that a, is that a Christian thing? Is that a, or, you know, an extreme Christian thing, but an I, extremely religious thing to think that way.
0: But I do think that a lot of people are raised that way, and yeah, they're conditioned, but like, still in that situation, there are plenty of women who decide, oh, I don't like this, even if they don't do anything about it. They know they don't like it, and there might be some women who actually do, even though they've been conditioned. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that, um, I mean, and that's something you see here a lot in Oklahoma, is so many people are raised religious and they get older and sometimes they not only embrace the religion but they get even more religious than even their parents and they yeah. seem happy um and then there's the people who are like oh fuck no <laughs> i'm getting out of this yeah i think some people are i mean yeah maybe they're conditioned but i think aren't we all kind of conditioned in some way to embrace the life that we were raised with so i i've been conditioned
1: to be a good person and not to be racist and say horrible things to people and you know not to commit crimes and stuff like that—is that, Is that uh, have I been conditioned
0: yeah I mean we've all been conditioned in some way and it's it's like my parents they made sure to raise me like they made it a big point to raise me that like I knew about racism I knew about homophobia I knew these things were bad Um, they like so many of the qualities I have like, even just things like sitting around watching TV for hours or whatever. So many of the qualities I have are qualities that, like, I know I got from my parents. And some of them, they yeah. made a conscious decision to do that. Some they didn't. Um, and I see it with my own kid. And so, but I think when we think about how people are conditioned to be when they grow up, we're mostly thinking about, like, extremes. But it's really yeah, how we all are.
1: No, that's true. But there's some things you can't. Sometimes you can't really compare it though. Sometimes it's like there's there's an extreme conditioning and then there's just grown up to be not a dick. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying that people who are conditioned to um uh, to be religious or whatever are dicks. I'm just saying mm-hmm. that because they probably do have a lot of the same values that I have. Mm-hmm. Like do not commit crimes, do you know? But yeah. uh, then, then again, there's some really extreme, horrible, nasty stuff, and a lot of religious, not I mean not just Christian, all religion, um, and you know, anyway, doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Uh, the only note I have because I've said everything, but the only note I have is Kim Passenger isn't the best at drunk acting, <laughs> um. But it's not the easiest thing to do anyway, drunk acting.
0: Well, She's a little so, over the top. It's a little much. She is. She is. But, you know, it's a... It's a
1: farce. Yeah, it's a farce. Exactly, yeah. So, next... The next movie, we don't know what it is yet. Because the show's taken the next two weeks off, but we'll be back in March. We will be back on... On. Oh, I should have looked at this up earlier. I'm waiting on my calendar loading up. This will be getting edited out. <laughs> we will be back on March the seventh. And then I think we're just doing we're just picking anything, aren't we?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh so that's all we have time for. if you like to follow the podcast, it's at drop the pack pod. Contact yeah, shifthebench.co.uk is the website. Contact at shifthebench.co.uk is
0: the email address.
1: Um, where can people follow you online, Jen? I'm at Pilot
0: Inspectors on Twitter, and I have a Party of Five rewatch podcast called Closer to Free.
1: Excellent! So thank you all for listening. We'll speak to you all next time.
0: Goodbye. Goodbye.